step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Oh, Gus, these team preview series interviews have me going already. College basketball is right around the corner, and we started with three major programs, didn't we? Mike, tremendous work with these team previews. Uh, Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning into what might not be your favorite team and maybe even your arch rival team. Mike and I are going to keep bringing you these team previews during the preseason. We're excited. I I think it's not crazy since you've gone like heavy hitters, Mike, for the listeners to guess what teams I have lined up coming up next later on this week and next week. Uh, Seriously, tweet us at SDS Podcast. You can email us, sdspodcast at gmail.com. Tweet Gus at ckearns12, myself at Randall Rant, R-A-N-D-L-E Rant, and let us know who you think is coming or let us know who you want us to get. This was, yeah. an, this was an idea Gus and I came up with. We're so excited about it. It's been a blast. We have so many schools lined up, man. And listen, <laughs> right, right. It's we, exciting, like the uh, the array of schools, but then also just the blanket amount of schools uh, as well. And Gus is an accomplished fisherman. I am not. I hook myself when I fish. But Gus is, is accomplished. And that's what we're doing, guys. We're two hoops, vagabond junkies hanging by the lake, hanging by the water, throwing the line out, seeing who we're, catch, who we're catching. And we caught Notre Dame, Louisville, and Kansas to start. Huh, Gus? You know who would be proud of us about this? Mark Few would be proud of us. He'd be very proud as a fellow angler himself. Um, maybe we'll have to reach out to a Gonzaga beat writer to make sure we can get some uh, Mark Few fishing stories or something along those lines. Folks, you whoever is loyal to this podcast and who's listening, if you think Gus hasn't contacted Gonzaga and, and, you know, and you know that I've returned to the house of my seven-time breakup ex-girlfriend with St. Mary's, if you, if you don't think we've contacted them, then you're just not paying attention. But those are coming down the line. No, no, I was going to say, we're super excited to bring it to you guys. So thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. It's It's been great. Mike's done an unbelievable job with the first couple batting lead off. It, it, it's been really exciting and totally informative, to be honest, Mike. Like, really informative. Yeah, that was our thought, folks, as we're doing the beat writers. Because, you know, coaches will come on. We'll get those from time to time. But the beat writers maybe going to give you, going to give you a little bit more. And they certainly did, Gus. And, and so let's start with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish there. We had Tom Noy from ND Insider. Uh, South Bend Tribune as well, gave us some fantastic information. First, right off the bat, Gus, you know, I started with each one of them about the scandal. Okay, it sounds like there's more stuff that's coming out, but we started with the scandal with each one of them. Absolutely, yeah. And basically, he stated the obvious, but it was worth mentioning that Mike Bray doesn't recruit the five-star guys. One and done is not their thing. Three, four-star guys who he said, I thought his words were interesting, Gus, spend time in college, 
Mm want to get coached and get better. So I think that sort of speaks, man, to a personality type, right? Well, I also think it speaks to um, just characteristic traits and habits. Anybody that is going to be a student athlete has certain characteristic traits and habits and are may have expectations of themselves. And I think Notre Dame recruits the student athlete that has an unbelievable high expectation of themselves across the board. Like they expect to go to a place and then get results from going to that place, get results academically, get results socially and get results athletically as well. So I, I, yeah, I agree. I think they recruit a different breed of student athlete, um, very similar to an Ivy league ish type of student athlete, but we've heard him say it a thousand times. Um, we want to get old and stay old uh, and still have players. And if you think about it, like how many people have left early? Like maybe oh, just off the top of my head, like he said too. Yeah, he said Jackson, too. The point guard and like who else? And like, Murphy. He said only Mur- two that okay, yeah, yeah, only yeah. two left were Murphy and Jackson. Yep. Right. Like, and you know why? Because they really like going to college there, and it's a great experience, and they they get rewarded from putting their time in, whether it be in the classroom, on the practice floor. Or just socially and the connections that they're going to make at Notre Dame. Real interesting with Bray. You know, everything, Gus, in life is a baseline comparison. So when we assess how good a job somebody has done, you got to see where they were when they first came in. And listen, a full disclosure, I've been very critical of Mike Bray historically. And Hmm. I've sort of cooled the last couple of years, particularly with that Kentucky game, which I mentioned, Gus. We'll get to that later. But but he brought up the fact that Mike Bray came in July of 2000. He was the third coach in Notre Dame in in three years following John McLeod, Matt Doherty. They hadn't been in the NCAA tournament in 11 years. Okay. He gets it. It was a dry spell. It was a dry spell. Yeah. He gets there. They go to the NCAA their first three years, including a Sweet 16, which was the first time in 16 years. And Mm -hmm. they've just had sustained success. I mean, Mike Bray is the poster boy, man, for sustained success, right? Absolutely. And the way that he achieves that success is kind of unique in this day and age of college basketball. Like he has those guys that are committed and have been there forever. He is the team that you say to yourself, I can't believe that guy's still there. I can't believe that player is still on that team. I thought that guy graduated two years ago. They are now that team. So Notre Dame really does it a different way in this current uh, uh, in this current model of the one and done uh, college basketball situation. So I, I applaud their uniqueness and the way that they approach and achieve success. And it's interesting they since they've come to the ACC, he rem- he brought up the point that they struggled when Jerry and Grant had academic issues their first year, but they've yeah. averaged twelve league wins per year after that year in the ACC. He brought up that 2015 team. I can tell that was a huge source of pride, Gus, for them. They beat Duke, number two, uh, Mm -hmm. two in the country, and number 19 UNC back-to-back nights in Greensboro to win the ACC tournament. Then they beat Wichita State on the way to the Elite Eight. Oh, by the way, that's no small feat either. And then they lose to that Kentucky team and gave them all they can handle. That was a source of pride for them. I think it was a source of pride for Bray. And the Notre Dame fans have to be thrilled about that. And I believe what he said. That team was really good, Gus. Remember, I thought they were going to beat them. I really did. I thought they had the right matchup. They could have won the national title 2015. Crazy. Now, just, you know, just to lift the curtain a little bit, you know, this is pre-screen-the-screener college basketball podcast. 
where Mike and I would still talk college hoops, like whether it be like in person or, <laughs> sure, yeah. uh, at, you know, bellied up or, or, you know, just over each other's houses with our families. And I distinctly remember you saying, man, there is an interesting vibe with this Notre Dame team. Like they're going to be an issue the entire tournament. And you were spot on the entire time. Gus, we were on text message, pull back the curtain, man. We're on text message and I'm saying, Grant's got a pump fake. I texted to you. There's yes, no way yeah, those Kentucky yeah. players are going to stay on the court. Now, listen, stay on the floor. Now, listen, would he have made three? I don't know, Gus. I have no idea. But I know, and I know it's easier for me sitting there with my chocolate milk and my cookies to tell to tell him to pump fake. <laughs> but I'll tell you right now, man, if he pump fakes, they're going. They're winning that game. But what a great job they did that whole time. And, and Bray's been there 18 years. How many coaches, Gus, have been 18 years? And listen, they have a legitimate shot. I'm going to make an argument to you right now. We'll talk about this when we get into our preview. You're yeah. the second best team in the ACC. I think I they're think better so. than Notre Dame. And we know Louisville's in some trouble right now. I mean, honestly. Right, right. Come I, on. I, I agree that you could put them ahead of UNC. Uh, I think Miami people might want to squabble with you. But I don't think there's anything wrong if you're going to bring back a potential player of the year candidate in Bonzi Colson, a senior point guard. We, we always love how we say, you know, everybody says like, you know, Senior guards win in March, yep. and a whole bunch of good role players that you that you mentioned on on your preview, uh, Fluger included. Um, yeah, why not put them as the second best team in the ACC? I don't think that's crazy at all. We'll, we'll get to Farrell in a minute because I love Matt Farrell. I talked about that Virginia Tech game, but Bonzi Colson, Gus, talk about him. I mean, the guy could be player of the year. He 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 could be player of the year in the ACC. He could also be player of the year in the in the entire nation. Third team All American coming back inside outside. We heard from Tom Noy. He was wearing contacts for the first time when he got there. He was overweight. They said, "What is this kid going to do?" First freshman year, he comes in about midway through. Hasn't left the lineup since. Now, the information that. Tom Noy gave us on that preview is just the type of information that we're hoping to provide the listeners. Like you and I don't know that he wore contacts. Right. Exactly. Right. right. Nobody does. Tom Noy does. You and I don't know that he was slightly (laughs) overweight coming in his freshman year. Tom Noy does. Like that is the type of valuable insight that we are looking for from these team previews that we hope to continue to bring you guys. And and what else could you want? So just to talk on Bonzi a little bit. Number one, I loved and appreciated and applauded how he used the word positionless. He said he is just a basketball player. Go get buckets. Mike Bray said, go get buckets. <laughs> you know, you know, you know who Bonzi Colson is? He's Draymond Green. Yes, exactly. Very good. He's, excellent. He's As Green. always, excellent. He 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 is he 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 plays the post. Is he too small for the post? Sure. Can he shoot threes? Sure. Should your post player shoot threes? Maybe. Can he handle the ball? Absolutely. Is he a little more agile than you think? Yes. Uh, does he make his free throws? Absolutely. Uh, is he a presence defensively? Yes, with his long wingspan. The guy like defines a position. He, he, he defies a position. He does not define a position. He defies a position. You could say like, oh, he's a he's a four. They're going to play him at the five. You know what he is? He's a baller. You know what he does? He gets hoops. You know what he does? He makes buckets. You know what he does? He defends at a high level. You know what he does? He makes everybody work for every single basket that he's guarding in the post. Bonzi Colson is a true college basketball player, and he should be celebrated this entire season for the way that he approaches the game. The way that he approaches the game is he values every possession. He understands the importance on the defensive end, even though 
Notre Dame does not especially focus and 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 really put a bunch of emphasis on the defensive end. They are a highly effective offensive team, according to all Ken Palm numbers. But Bonzi Colson is amazing because he is undersized. He still gets his boards. He still gets his points. So if we're going to like extrapolate out and, and figure out like, okay, let's just uh, prognosticate. Like what is Bonzi Colson going to do this year uh, in, in the uber ultra competitive uh, Atlantic Coast Conference and, and, and nationally? Like his number is going to be better than, than, than Big E's were last year. And he's going to be in the conversation the whole entire year from game one of for player of the year in the nation. Forget about player of the year in the conference. You know, sometimes these player of the year in the conference situations uh, are, are not necessarily political, but it might go to the player on the best team. It might go to a player that's been there four years. So does he fall into all those categories? Yes. But could I see it going somewhere else? Yeah, sure. Wouldn't it be weird if he doesn't win player of the year in his own conference, but then wins player of the year nationally? Crazy. It would be totally crazy. He right? would, And he's the key to what they do. And listen, you're going to have, Gus, a senior national potential player of the year and a senior point guard back. You're going to be mm-hmm. really, really good. The Matt Farrell stuff was fascinating also. Demetrius Jackson annoyed Farrell. Farrell wanted yeah. to play. He was going to transfer. That was t- he said he talked to him in January. Point Pleasant, Jersey represent, little toughness there. I right. love what Farrell does. He plays his guts out, and he started him in that NCAA tournament that sophomore year when they went to the Elite Eight. They started him. He said, we're starting Matt Farrell, beginning of that tournament, and they had a nice run. And that really spr- springboarded him because that kid can play, Gus, and that play against Virginia Tech was big time. Well – a couple of things there. There's a couple of uh, a couple of categories to, to or a couple of elements to cover there. Number one, he's Jersey tough. We know what makes up Jersey tough. And if we're gonna go like hit the amazing rewind button of one of the finest college basketball point guards there ever was in history, guess where he came from? Hurley came from Jersey. Yeah. So we know that that we know that that is a blueprint for tough NCAA point guard play. No doubt. Two. That play against Virginia Tech that you referenced was totally amazing and was totally Hurley-esque. Yep. Like you could totally see him doing that in the Duke uniform, on the road, in a tight game, taking a big chance like that and putting his body in peril for the betterment of his team. Totally love that part. And you know what? He, the fact that Tom Noy gave us like that insider info told you all you need to know about Farrell. Not only did he want to play, not only did he want time on the floor, he wanted the ball in his hands. He said, enough with this. I'm as good as the All-American and NBA player Jackson. I want to go somewhere else and play. I don't want to sit behind this guy. The fact that he has that mentality, yeah, I think just predicts that he's going to have an amazing season this year. And this is his opportunity to go ahead and prove all of those things correct. I think Notre Dame is going to prove a bunch of people wrong. And I think you're spot on with them being the second best team in the ACC. And and the backups, we, he went through them, Fluger, Gibbs, and Gebbin. Uh, really, yeah. quick, really quick. And then we'll go back and forth. I'll do one at a time and then give me your thoughts on him. Fluger, yeah. California swag, 360, or reverse dunk rather, or the first time they beat Virginia ever in the ACC was last year at the Barclays. He's been a defensive presence, Gus, but he's got to score more this year. Look. I, I think Tom Noy gave you all you needed to know. The fact that he's that selfless and realized, like, oh, you know, Beecham needs his touches. Like, Bonzi needs his touches. Like, you know, Farrell needs his touches. Like, all, you know, 
Um, and the fact that he was like, all right, yeah, I'll just lock down the best wing defender. I'm good with that. And again, it goes back to one of the first things that we talked about with Notre Dame student athletes. He's not trying to get out of there in a hurry. He is enjoying every game, every practice, every season. And he's like, oh, you know what? Next season, my role is going to change. I'm looking forward to the change in my role. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a gigantic jump. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's the most improved player in that conference and has awarded that award at the end, season's end. I was so happy to hear the stuff about TJ Gibbs because it didn't add up to me, Gus. I love TJ Gibbs. He is one of my spotlight players. And we do spotlight players coming in the season in a few weeks. Yep. I think TJ Gibbs can be tremendous. And he seemed to slow down. It just didn't, it didn't click with me. And it was that he felt he had to bulk up. He lost 17 pounds. He's back this year. He's going to be a starter. They need big minutes from TJ Gibbs. Yeah. Two words with TJ Gibbs. Same two words we used with Matt Farrell. Jersey, tough. 100%. Another and, Jersey guard. He is not going to back down from anybody. He's not going to be afraid of contact. He's not going to be afraid of the big shot. He is not going to shy away from the big moment. The fact that he's going to play like kind of second fiddle, I think is going to do wonders for his game this year. He is not going to have the ball handling responsibilities uh, 100% of the time. And he's going to be asked to take care of the ball, make some open shots, get the ball to Bonzi when he needs it in the spot. And don't turn the ball over. What? A, are you kidding me? This guy is going to thrive in that role. He not only is he going to, you know, put up big numbers, but I think he's going to make a couple of big shots for them to win a couple games this year. And how about Martin Gebbin got back from the Lithuania team in the World University Games, which they beat us. Your Purdue Boilermakers in the, <laughs> I know, in the finals yeah. there. Uh, he's got to be a key because Bonzi needs to go outside. He's not just a back-to-the-basket guy. In fact, mm-hmm. he's, he's really not a back-to-the-basket guy at all when he's 6'5", and that could be generous. But he's got to help on the backboards. He's got to stay out of foul trouble. And the Gus really don't have a lot of big man depth, which is sort of a theme with them in Kansas. We'll get to them later. But what right. do you think about Gebbin as well? He's got to make some contributions. Well, I, I think this international play option that some of these college athletes have due to their amateurism and that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother time that we can get into. Um, that is part of the giant dilemma that college basketball is dealing with right now. Um, and, and especially because you and I were uh, Division One scholarship athletes, like we can probably speak to this uh, a little bit later. But because they do have these opportunities, um, it does present a different element and different environment for these student athletes to develop be coached and grow like it's not the same voice that they're hearing all the time it's not the same teammates that they're competing against all the time it's not the same country that they're doing it in it's not the same gym that they're practicing in they get to hear a different voice teaching a different skill they get to be practicing those skills against different teammates they have the opportunity to travel and to play different people and practice those different skills that they have been taught by those different coaches we can liken this to Rui Hachimura for Gonzaga and even um, R.J. Barrett, who, uh, who blew up this year from Canada, who's one of the hottest prospects that um, you know Coach Biancardi talked about. Um, those guys had an opportunity to play at this on this international stage that's very different from the college stage. They play with the FIBA rules. Um, there's a different three-point line. There's four quarters. There's a, there's a, a, whole, a whole different dynamic to that particular uh, element that they play in. And I wouldn't be surprised if Gebbin like really benefits from this and we see a big jump in numbers from him. Maybe not like 
oh my goodness, he's going to go out and average 15 points a game. But I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out and averages like six, seven, eight, nine points and is really efficient from the field and just plays confidently because of the experience he had overseas this particular summer. And that was it for Notre Dame, man. Tom Noy did us right. Notre Dame certainly going to be in the mix in the ACC. Going to be a fun time when they play Duke. Going to be a fun time when we see them playing that. He mentioned that DePaul game on the road, that they could play Wichita State in the finals in Maui. We're gonna be all, yeah, we're going to be all over Notre Dame. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun with them moving forward. So, Gus, we'll take a quick break here, and we'll come back and take a look at Louisville. Solid. Second one we had, Gus, was Jeff Greer of the Courier Journal, a uh, huge guy down in Louisville, covers all things Louisville basketball, and really gave us some fantastic information. Gus, he correctly predicted while the meeting was going on that the assistants were going to be suspended, and David Padgett, at the age of 32, is running the entire Louisville program by himself. There are so many avenues to go down here and so many aspects of this to talk about. Uh, number one, thank you to Jeff Greer. He, he, I couldn't believe that he actually predict, uh, 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 accurately predicted what was going to happen with the two remaining assistant coaches. I mean, uh, kudos to him and way to have his ear to the, you know, the, the railroad line to hear that, that and, and then share it out with our listeners. Unbelievable. Um, and then can we please just I know Louisville is kind of a hot mess right now, but can we just applaud David Patchett? He's doing he, – right now he's working with no assistant coaches. He's probably asking the strength coach. He's probably asking the team managers uh, and applaud the team managers as well. I mean God knows they're, they're earning their keep. He's probably asking anybody anywhere to give him a hand. Um, I'm sure if he, they have anybody redshirting, he's asking those guys to help out. Uh, I'm sure he's looking for any walk-on help. The dude is trying to hold together a borderline top 10 NCAA program this particular season all by himself with zero assistant coaches. I hope they bring somebody in there with a ton of experience that's going to give him a gigantic hand. Like maybe, I, I don't know, like how about uh, how about if they bring in, I'm trying to think of uh, like who might, uh, um, how about the old uh, Villanova coach, Steve Lapis? What if they bring him in to like kind of help things out? Wouldn't that be great? Um, even if it's not like for the whole season, just like bring him in for the preseason so he get his feet on his ground, uh, his feet on the ground at least. Yeah, Green- I, I, Greenberg was talking about them bringing some guys in. I think he mentioned Ralph Willard. Or yeah, some, yeah, mean, somebody along those lines. Right, exactly. His dad exactly. is helping him out right now. I mean, but you got – oh, yeah, he said uh, – here it is. He said – it would be interesting to see who David Padgett hires. I'd expect a former head coach, Dino Gaudio, Ralph Willard. And maybe, oh, Dino Gaudio would be great. Yeah. Maybe a former teammate. Right. But listen, Gus, he's got to look at it like this. He's 32 years old. He's only two years removed from being video coordinator, which is how they knew his his hands were clean because he really wasn't even involved in recruiting. I don't think that much. But right, he's right. got a top 10 team. His team is has top 10, top 20 talent on it. It's a great chance for him, and we're rooting for him. We don't want the kids to get caught up in the middle of this. No, we're no. rooting for him. Uh, it's clear from what Jeff said. Uh, Gus said Brian Bowen will be playing for Louisville or maybe in college. Uh, but but listen, he's got a lot of talent there. I think what struck me right away is certainly we know Quentin Snyder's great. You can talk about him. But also yeah. it seems like it's Snyder and Spalding. I mean, dang, he called the tweener. But what yeah. jumped off the page was he knows Snyder's going to be good, but he's got to lead a team. And they need Spalding to take a huge leap forward if they really want to make a move here. Well, I, I, I think we've talked on the podcast last year, and we might have tweeted out as as well that I, I love Quentin Snyder. I think he is a perfect college basketball point guard. I think he is the exact guy you want running your team. He makes shots. 
By no means is he a me guy. He's very efficient with the ball. Not a huge turnover rate. He does play the pace that his coach wants to play. And he will make, um, he'll make a good decision in a critical moment, and he won't put it all on himself. He will not be afraid to, um, he will not be afraid to include teammates and defer if need be uh, in that decision-making process. So I really like Quentin Snyder. I, I, I'm just curious. I'm just thinking out loud here. It, how good is he? I mean, I, I think we can all agree that he's an excellent college basketball point guard. Is he? Is he all conference good? Is he is he better than all conference good? That's you know I'm gonna have a tough time with him, man. Six two hundred seventy five pounds, senior, twelve point four points per game, four point one assists. The thing that that troubles me with Snyder, he's yeah. a really 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 good college basketball player. Right, right, right. Is he first team all conference? That may be the best question you've asked me in the last year. Ah, oh, that's a toughie. If Patino was there, he would have been because right. it just would have worked out that way. Will right. Quentin start? Folks, why don't you tweet the podcast at SDS Podcast? <laughs> we'll, we'll put that out as a poll. Will Quentin Snyder be first team all ACC? I have no idea. Right now, Gus, my gut says no, and I can't give you a reason why. You know what? I think just because it's too crowded. I mean, you got Joel Berry. You got the Duke Frosh there. I mean, you have the Miami guards, uh, Matt Farrell that we just mentioned. So, I mean, it is very crowded in the backcourt in that particular conference. So I totally get it. But I, I'm, I'm just thinking aloud, listeners, uh, Mike, I'm thinking, like, how good is he going to be? Uh, if we go back and look at Frank Mason's numbers from his junior year, I bet they're pretty similar. I'm just throwing that out there. Just, you know, just, just a little food for thought. Uh, but Spalding, I was intrigued by because personally, like, I wasn't in love with Spalding. I didn't think that he was really an in-back player. I know he came in very heralded. I know he came in as a top recruit. I know he's got the measurables that tell us that he should be an impact player. But to be honest, from watching, I really haven't seen anything. But here's what I'm going to say about Spalding, and I'm going to throw VJ King into this conversation yeah, as yep, well, yep. As this category. Sometimes Patino, Louisville, however you want to, you know, however you want to term this now, I guess we'll term it as Louisville. Sometimes Louisville does not play those impact freshmen that they recruit at a very high level immediately and put them into stressful situations. I don't really have a reasoning for this. Maybe because Patino got unbelievably frustrated uh, with them on the defensive end. Maybe because they didn't run the right offensive set. Whatever the, whatever the case is, right? But maybe another year um, in the program – Maybe minus Patino, maybe minus that I'm going to look over my shoulder and see if I get taken out for that lapsed defensive assignment, or maybe I miss the cutter on that offensive set, and maybe both Spalding and King thrive. I, I, I'm not sure. Again, I, I think we're looking at glass half full here, but both of those guys are unbelievably talented. We just haven't seen it on the floor. So maybe if with exposed floor time and more minutes and more opportunity, they'll have the opportunity to show what their skill sets hold. So I, I'm going to put both of those guys together. And of course, you know, Spalding at 6'10 and VJ King at 6'5, like they, uh, you know, they're perfect complements for one another. And you throw uh, Dang with Snyder and then, you know, Mahmoud in the post, like blocking every shot in history. Like 
this is a decent team. Like this team could make some noise. Like it's not crazy to put this team like, wow, this team has talent for a final four, but because of all of the, uh, you know, all of the ancillary, uh, activity and, and, and distraction, like how do you possibly predict that for this pop, for this group of student athletes? It is impossible. So I think with all the volatility that surrounds this program, I don't know if there's anything more you can predict, but like you're just hoping for the success of the student athletes that are still enrolled and are still part of the program. I'm happy that Jeff mentioned about the tweener with, with um, Dang Adele. That's what I've been saying. I, I right. don't like those guys going early because what position is he going to play? I have no idea. And I've said it over and over again. I feel justified now. What does he do well? Nothing super well. Right. Everything good. He's a very good player, but he doesn't do anything great. Somebody's got to score here. I can see VJ King going bonkers. He said VJ King had like a 24 points against Virginia, whatever it was. Yeah, or something yeah. VJ like King's that. very good. Um, but that's the the deal, and it's tough because that's going to fall on coaching. And I mean, there's talent here, but he's got to put it together. I could see things going south real quick. I'm rooting for them, Gus. I really am. I want to see Padgett do well, and I want to see Louisville do well. But he's got a tweener. Snyder's not a great athlete. VJ King doesn't play any defense. Anasma Mood, a little soft inside. I, I could see things like going haywire, totally out of his control. Here, here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that maybe because of the environment he's coaching in, he's just going to baseline and simplify everything for everybody. And then they're just going to let their talent you know, shine through. I'm hoping that's what happens. But, I mean, this is why we watch. We're going to watch and find out, and this is part of the college basketball story this season. Tough schedule, Gus, too, and he mentioned it as well, uh, that they have the 11-28, November 28th game at Purdue in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. That is going to be very, very difficult. Tough. And, very uh, tough. You know, and, and that Notre Dame game, too. I didn't mention that, actually, that Michigan State game. They got Notre Dame-Michigan State. You know I'm going to be all over that game. But this oh, is a yeah. tough schedule. They got Seton Hall. Indiana, and then of course they go to Kentucky, which by the way, guess I'm gonna call it now. They're gonna get blitzed on December 29th, especially after they won last year in the Yum Center. So tough schedule for David Padgett, but certainly we wish him well. Absolutely, let's 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 go Cardinals. Regroup, right the ship, simplify the game plan, and let those let those athletes do what they're good at. And the last one we had here, Gus Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star and KUHoops.com. Jesse came on, talked about the Kansas Jayhawks, one of the top teams every single year in college basketball. And the first thing he told me, Gus, is that little Yachty almost ran over his laptop. Listen, that might have been the best part of the conversation. That was hilarious. <laughs> I, love that, I love that, number one, you brought it up. And then number two, he had an amazing story to tell about it. That was great. I felt a vibe with Jesse. It was a good, it was a good flow. Sometimes you could tell, <laughs> oh. folks. I, I, was, I was starting to bring down the barrier on that one. Big Yachty. I even stuck the joke and he even laughed. Thank you, Jesse, for that. Yeah, thank you so much, Jesse. And uh, just a shout out to Jesse. Jesse does a great job with his own podcast. Um, he has a KC Sports podcast. He recently had uh, Ken Pomeroy of Ken Pom. Uh, you know, Mike and I are big stats guys. Uh, they had an amazing conversation. So if you're looking for another podcast to dial up next week, please go ahead and hit up Jesse Newell's KC uh, Sports podcast. It was pretty amazing. Um, uh, so we thank him for the time that he gave us. But his conversation with Ken Pomeroy was really uh, eye opening. And they, I mean, they did concentrate on Kansas stats, but they did not shy away from, uh, you know, just overall uh, college basketball stats as well and trends that. Uh, moving forward into the season. So it was a cool conversation. But um, back to the conversation that you had with Jesse, um, you know, a little yada aside, um, <laughs> I, I really like the, the, 
I really like the the details that he gave us about um, Late Night of the Fog because you know we just you know we just see it on you know on YouTube or uh, highlights or pictures, and he really gave us a cool insight of what was happening there. Uh, Mike, was there anything else that you want to talk about as far as like uh, the the you know Late Night at the Fog? You know, Gus, we started this venture on the Screen the Screener podcast, you know, hoping one day in our dream of dreams that somebody picks us up and that we're traveling the country going to things like late night to fog jesse's been there so many times that it's almost old hat he didn't use that phrase but yeah, i mean yeah, you, you could you could tell he was thinking it in his head folks it will be if it would be a miracle again that's why we need the five star ratings the comments retweets whatever you want to do here for screen the screener that's our dream to get there and and, and to be able to do that but Listen, he talked about Bill Self. He was very honest about him. He talked about the positives of Bill Self, the sustained success. He did win a title. Roy Williams did not. He was a national champion runner-up with the Thomas Robinson team. He's been to two Elite Eights in the last three years. All of that stuff is very true, but he kept it real. He kept it 100, as you told me. Uh, Mm -hmm. As you taught me at the end about the fact that definitely there are some question marks there. Listen, you can't criticize the guy, especially when they've only won. I looked that up because could you believe that they only won three national titles in their in their career? One back in the 50s, I think it was. And then Danny Manning and the Miracles and then then the wipe in the brow with Mario Chalmers. I mean, unbelievable. You felt like there would be one or two more hiding in there, but no. Yeah. And here's what I think that speaks to. And it's, it's just so simple that sometimes it gets overlooked. Even with the unbelievable sustained success, success that he's had, 13 straight Big 12 titles, um, Hall of Fame career, it is hard as hell to win a national championship in a single elimination tournament style. It is hard. We can You, you can bring up every single uh, matchup that Kansas has had and, and pick the death. You can go ahead, go, go to, go to VCU, go to Northern Iowa. Um, we can go to, uh, who am I missing here that they lost to early? We can go to Michigan, whatever the case is, right? It's still a single elimination tournament, right? And we've championed coach self on this. He, he is great at bringing out like the wild card in this tournament. Like he'll, he'll bust out the triangle in two for, uh, a five-minute stretch, or one of those four-minute time, uh, you know, one of those four-minute stretches in between the timeouts, TV timeouts, to totally confuse his component. N- like nobody else does that. He'll throw a junk offense or a junk defense in there just to totally throw people off. But it's still a single elimination tournament. The volatility and the unpredictability and 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 the uh, options of matchups just bring too many variables to to pin like too much criticism on one particular coach or one particular program. But I do agree. Like, yeah, you thought there was another one or two sneaking around in there, right? Well, we got to keep it real here. The thing is, Bill Self is great. Bill Self is a Hall of Famer. Got the call when he was on Naismith Drive there, driving to work. Wonderful. No one's saying that Bill Self shouldn't be the coach or he should be fired. No one's saying that. But Gus, what we're saying is if you and I are in Kansas down at the barbershop and we're sitting there like in Hoosiers – Two and six in the Elite Eight when you have a one or a two seed, and especially last year, Gus, you're playing in Kansas City against a Chris Boucher-less Oregon team, throw in VCU, throw in the Stanford loss in, in the in the round of 32, throw in uh, Ali. Stanford, that's uh, that's the one I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ali Farouk Manesh, okay? It's just not sitting well, man. Right? That's what it is. But but listen, it is what it is. Everyone in this country would love that Bill Self as their coach, but it's certainly a talking point. And and he nailed a couple things, Gus. He talked about, of course, the the 
Devontae Graham having to step up here, take that yep. leadership role. We got Svi there. Of course, we know he's going to take 12 steps to the basket. But it really seemed he loves LeGerald Vick, as, as do I. But we right. really talk, Gus, that Malik Newman is going to sort of step up and take that leadership scoring role. He almost alluded, I don't know if you got the same feeling, that Billy Preston as a freshman is not going to be Josh Jackson-esque. Josh Jackson was yeah. a tremendous, tremendous player who you liked yeah. from the very beginning. I think Newman is going to be the offensive player like Jackson, and Preston mm. is the X factor. What did you think when he, when he talked about him? Well, Newman does have a track record. Newman does have a year of Division One college basketball in his in his Rolodex. Preston does not, so I think that's difference one right there. Uh, Malik Newman came in as much like Billy Preston uh, as a top fifteen ish uh, type recruit for his class, so their talent level is probably fairly similar. But I think this goes back to one of our overarching, you know, facts that uh, that we keep coming back to over and over again, especially in March, is sometimes that level of veteran, that level of experience, that level of I've done this before comes into play. So I don't think there's any mistake that Jesse was talking about Malik in a way where he was saying, look. Malik's going to take on a leadership role because he knows this is an opportunity at a great university and a great program under a great coach with a fellow player of the year candidate um, right next to him in the backcourt in Devontae Graham. I don't think there's any way that he's going to waste this opportunity. I don't think that he's like kind of going through the motions, you know, quote unquote. I don't think there's I don't think there's any reason that that Malik Newman wouldn't put up gigantic numbers this year and lead this team in scoring. No, he said Newman is, is going to be the guy who's going to lead the team in scoring. And then, of course, he talked about the fact that, listen, big men are just like rare gems, Gus. I mean, yeah. it's hard to find them. Everyone's got guards. Azabuki is going to be a huge key for them inside because they are not that deep. And listen, I think Billy Preston is going to have his flashes and, and he was playing hard. But I don't like the fact they even said to him, he alluded in a, in a very nice way about how the fact that Billy Preston is being coached for basically the first time in his life. That's kind of what he alluded mm-hmm. to. I think Preston is going to be a huge, huge thing for them because they need somebody else inside. I don't know in the Big 12, Gus, if they're going to be able to have that sort of overarching success or NCAA tournament success if Azubuki is just going to continue as five points, four rebounds from last year. Even Landon Lucas, Gus, had a couple 20-point games along the way. So they're going to need to get something from Preston inside because they don't have Frank Mason, National Player of the Year. Graham is good, but he's streaky. Newman, mm-hmm. yes, he has experience, but it's his first year. You know, Vic is an athlete. But they're going to struggle. They need another option, and, and maybe Preston can be that guy. I think Preston might actually thrive as the first guy off the bench on this particular team if yeah. he doesn't end up starting. Good call. Because if he's going to play against team's second units, I mean, game on. That guy is going to put up 10 points in about two minutes. I'll tell you that right now. Um, and if he does that, you know, each half, I wouldn't be surprised if that guy averages double-digit points in about 18 minutes a game. And if he's going to have that type of impact, that's exactly what Kansas needs moving forward. Do they need, like, 10 points from Azubuki? No. You know what they need from Azubuki? They need a solid 22 minutes a game, clogging up the middle, getting some defensive rebounds, being a force defensively so those guards can run people off the three-point line. That's exactly what they need from Azubuki. And if Preston can come in and blow up team's second units – I think Bill Self has something going here. He might have something special here. 
he might have a team that you just mentioned before, like that Thomas Robinson team, that can make a deep, deep run and not be one of those teams that gets questioned because they exit early. Smart job by him with the scheduling too. He said normally Kansas is a team that you know sort of had a big uh, trip or something. Maui, they don't have that this year. I don't think it's an accident, Gus. I think that's self looking ahead, knowing what he has there. He didn't have Frank Mason as a senior and all that stuff. Yep. Uh, and a little over a month away, we get treated to Kansas, Kentucky in Chicago. So a great job by Jesse Newell. A lot of fun stuff there. Gus, three heavy hitters, right, to start this uh, team preview series. Unbelievable. I, I, I'm kind of liking this team preview series format. I hope, listeners, you're liking it as well. We're going to keep bringing you uh, different teams throughout uh, during the preseason uh, so you guys can get a real feel what's happening in practice, what's happening uh, what's happening in the locker room, what you know, what's happening on campus, and get those little tidbits like Jesse Newell gave you, like the little tidbit about Bonzi Colson, like the little tidbit um, – of or or the giant tidbit of the Louisville assistant coaches being relieved of their duties. Like we're hoping to give you those little nuggets of knowledge that you can move forward in your day and be like, oh yeah, that 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 was something that there's no way I could have picked up unless I was listening to the Screen and Screener College Basketball Podcast. And uh, Gus, we have to mention, of course, here, uh, Tom Petty, unfortunately, oh. passed away. Right? I, uh, you know, one you know of, one of our favorites are both you and I. Yeah, yeah. You know what? The um, just very super quickly. I, I I feel like on you know our broadcasts and uh, and others, um, we need to mention tragedy so often. And we you know whether it be uh, you know a natural disaster tra- uh, tragedy, um, with uh, hurricane, just absolutely devastating certain areas of our country, um. Or deaths, and 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 it just it, we don't again we don't mean to be downers, but I think at the same time if we didn't talk about certain things that really meant a lot to us, uh, we would be doing a disservice in some strange way. Um, so just very quickly, Mike, my Tom Petty story for everybody. Um, you know, uh, one of my former college teammates, uh, Adrian. Uh, we went to his wedding. Uh, this was a number of years ago. They're probably. Um, uh, they're still happily married. Uh, they had a band at their wedding instead of a DJ. Great move, right? So a number of the people in the wedding, uh, you know, just people that were not invited. Uh, my friend was a guitarist. My, my good friend who lives over in Europe uh, took, took on the lead singer. They just took the instruments from the band. And they said, uh, we're going to play a couple numbers. What they play right away? They played American Girl right away. So it was a whole bunch of people. Beautiful. Beautiful. Parking. And uh, my my the lead singer was uh, our our cyclist friend uh, from from overseas in Europe, and it was one of the most beautiful wedding moments that I could have ever remembered. Um, and the American, you know, not that I'm, I was a huge American Girl song fan, but after that, that ha- held a special place in my heart. Um, and uh, my uncle and I, uh, who were big were big music buffs, he and I, um, to this day, one of our favorite albums is still. Uh, the Traveling Wilburys album with uh, and, and the Traveling Wilburys are, 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 you know, near extinction, unfortunately, at this point with um, Roy Orbison passing away, unfortunately, and George Harrison uh, passing away, unfortunately, and now Tom Petty um, passing away, unfortunately. So, you know, it, it just seems like Jeff Lynn and um, and Bob Dylan somehow are the only surviving Wilburys. So uh, we just want to say, uh, you know. Turn on a Tom Petty song, turn on a Traveling Wilbury song, and and hum along to it. Um, 
Americanan, Americana rock at its finest, classic rock at its finest, rock and roll at its finest. Um, Tom Petty was one of those cool musicians that just kind of kept to his own style and everybody kind of knew one of his songs and you know a bunch of his songs have uh, you know been sampled since then too which is really cool too so he wasn't afraid to share with other artists which was a really cool thing um mike any uh tom petty uh tidbits from you no just always had him on my race mix in college when i was warming up I multiple tom petty songs running down a dream won't back down all of those are are in my in my race mix and it was a part of my rolodex so folks we we thought it would only be fitting with the team preview series kicking off here and both Gus and I being huge Tom Petty fans to have us go out here with a Traveling Wilbury song. How about this, Gus? Cheers. Salancha. Gratulazzi, everybody out there. Enjoy. Being beat up and battered around Being sent up and I've been shut down You're the best thing that I've ever found Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.